0: All right, if you can make your way to your seats, we're going to get started here this morning. All right, well, welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. It's so great to see you here this morning. If you are visiting, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's my joy to open us this morning. Uh, If you have a bulletin, I'm just going to rattle off a couple announcements before we get going here, just to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, Saturday, July 9th, so I think that's a couple Saturdays away. There is a Ogden Farmers Market get together for the ladies. And if you're interested in going, if you could contact Kelly, you can find her contact information in, uh, in the bulletin. Uh, that'll make sure that, uh, not only that we know who's gonna be there, but if you want to carpool too, and uh, you live up this way, um, we, can, we can arrange that. Um, this afternoon, uh, we're helping uh, Dirk and Christie's, well, welcome. Well, I didn't, see, I didn't know you were gonna be already. Well, you snuck in. We're helping you move, so excellent. The last I heard was 2, 2.30, 2 okay. That's stamped now, Laws of Meas and Persians, all right. So we're at 2.30, if you wanna help and you haven't uh, let Ben know, please let him know. Uh, Ben's coordinating all that um, back that way. Um, all right, uh, lastly here, as far as the written announcements here, um, we have Parsonage Workdays here available in July. I know we've had a lot of guys help. It's been so neat to see things come together so quickly and so many of us being able to be involved. Um, we're kind of at an odd stage, so far as I understand it, in that we're kind of in a stage where we need more expert help for most of the big things, but we've got a lot of smaller things um, that we could keep maybe two to three guys busy with each Friday and Saturday. And so to coordinate that and make sure that everybody who wants to be a part can be a part, we're having you sign up. Now for some of you that's easier than others. I know some of you are just like, I'm showing up when I show up. and. But I think for the sake of those coordinating things, it helps to know who's going to be there. And so what we've asked is that if you're interested in helping, you either let Pastor Dom know, or you can see here that if you go to fbcliberty.com help, it'll direct you to a Google Doc, and you can just slot in your name. And one of those, we're just asking that you try to just be there for one day per weekend. It's a nice problem to have, to have so many people wanting to help and having to limit people. So um, if you have any questions about that, though, you can see Pastor Dom, and I think um, that's all I need to say about that. Is that right, Pastor Dom? Anything else there? Okay. Um, but thank you all so much. And uh, I think we'll, especially once we get inside, uh, we'll have some more active work where we can keep eight or nine guys busy. But for now, we're, we're limiting ourselves just to make sure that we don't have you coming all the way up this way and then having nothing to do while you're here. Any other announcements I need to make that I failed to make? All right, well, we're going to turn our attention to prayer. And uh, what I'll do here in just a moment is, just open up uh, to where if you have something you'd like to pray for or thank God for if you could raise your hand and I'll make a note of that we can all pray together. I know that this week has been a big week in our nation and uh, we want to celebrate the, the the proper movement towards protecting life but we know that it was a moderate victory at best and there's still a lot of uh, help that needs to happen in states all throughout our nation and I know that uh, I'm sure The more in tune of you have experienced more of that kickback that uh, some of us have seen, but let's just be praying that God uses what's happened this week to preserve life and that those of us who um, have an opportunity to care for those, especially through Pregnancy Medical Center and other avenues, really take this as an opportunity to emphasize the value of the unborn life. Anything else that we can be be praying for this week? Elaine? Elaine? Yes, let's be praying for PMC um, down in Roy. How else can we pray? Yeah, Ryan. Amen. Yes, and uh, I was just chatting with Ryan earlier. It's, it's a joy to see them starting moving towards back to kind of normal life with Sue now. Um, let's be praying for Erin as well, and we hope to be able to see little Hazely soon when, when she's ready. How else can we be praying this morning? Yes. Well, we are very ready to help you. <laughs> There's no reason you should have to drive and unload it yourself. That's what I think. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so well, let's be let's uh, give praise to God for that and ask for help for this afternoon. Yes, Pastor Dome.
1: open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be studying this morning verses 1 and 2, and we've entitled this sermon, Holy Thine, Holy Thine, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Hear the word of the Lord, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Father, I pray that you would give us grace this hour to understand what it means to imitate you and to walk as Christ walked. May we follow you in all your ways, and may we follow you in the way that you've shown us in your word. Our Savior loved us and gave himself for us. He was wholly dedicated to you and to your purposes. He gave himself to you and to you alone. May we model that. But more than modeling, may we make it ours. For what Jesus did on the cross was a transaction. It satisfies your wrath. You must take it for us to be safe. He satisfied your justice. I pray that we would look to him to save our souls. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have two scenarios that I'd like to paint for you, and I'd like you to just join me in a couple of these imaginations. And they are pure imaginations. I want you to imagine that you have a 12-year-old child. This child had a job, got their very first job, and in that job made $200. This child decided that they wanted to give some of that to the Lord. And so they went to the bank and got a very crisp, nice $20 bill. And comes into church with you next to them, and they drop that $20 bill in the offering box and give it to God. Right on the heels of your child dropping 10% of their very first paycheck into the offering box with a crisp $20 bill, a gentleman comes right behind you. Now, you could not do this at our church for we have a small lock on our offering box, but let us pretend that this one does not. And they open the box. They look inside. They take out the $20 bill that your child just put in and put in a $100 bill of their own and then close the box. The child says, wait, why did you take the $20 bill out of the box? And the man says, well, I, I didn't want to give $100. I only wanted to give $80. So there's 80 more dollars in there than there was before. I just needed to make some change. How do you think your 12-year-old would feel about that transaction? Why do you think they would feel that way? Well, they would feel funny about that because there's an assumption that once something goes into that box, it's gone." And it's not to be taken out by anybody for any reason, for it is not ours, it is God's. And even though it's a very simple math problem, and you could explain to the child, well, he just wanted to make change, and if he had asked you for change, you would have given it to him. But that 12-year-old seems to think that that would be an inappropriate time to break a $100 bill. Or once something goes into that box, it's God's. I think we all understand it. Well, let's add 10 years to that 12-year-old boy. That 10-year-old boy comes home one day. He's been dating somebody, very seriously so. In fact, this now 22-year-old young man has purchased an engagement ring. And he's ready to present it to this young lady that he's been dating. And he says, Mom and Dad, I I have a... problem. I need you I need some advice from you. And you say, "Okay, well shoot." Well, on Thursday I went to a cafe, you know that cafe that my girlfriend likes, and I went to get her a gift card so that she could go there and lo and behold she was there. But she was sitting with another man from her work. And apparently They've been doing this for quite some time. Every Thursday on lunch, they go to this cafe for lunch, and they talk and hop in the car and drive back with each other, back to work. I didn't know about this, and I I asked her about it. I said, "I I don't like this. This makes me uncomfortable. And she got mad at me. She said, don't you trust me? I think this is unreasonable of you. If you loved me, you would let me have this Thursday lunch date with the man from my work. Mom and Dad, what should I do? Now, how many of you moms would really be fighting back the crazy eyes right about this moment? How many of you moms would say, honey, give me her telephone number, and I will take it from here? while secretly thinking, I hope you saved the receipt on that wedding ring. In these two scenarios that we've painted, what we have shown in various parts is the idea of sacrifice and dedication and wholeness that the Bible says we are to give over to God and that Christ made over to God. Whole, complete, sacrificial giving. And it's a concept that was understood in the Old Testament and that we sort of have to piece together in parts because we don't have one word or concept that captures it all entirely. But that's where Paul is moving. He's moving forward for us to walk in a consecrated, whole, complete way of following the Lord, just as Christ did. And this is what he's advocating as an imitation of God himself. So let's grab a little context from Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2. God expects his people, as we discovered the last few weeks, to reflect his tender-hearted mercy and easy forgiveness. Be merciful, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. In fact, Paul's going to say that grudge-bearing and wrath and clamor, that something other than this easy, tender-hearted mercy is uh, this sort of anger deeply grieves the Spirit of God. It is so unbecoming of Christians not to have this divine sense of forgiveness and grace and mercy that to take on a grudge-bearing spirit is so anti-God that it grieves God. It does not bear the family mark, and that grieves our Lord. And so Paul now takes this idea of forgiving and being merciful and tender-hearted, just like God is, And he begins to turn it into a pattern of life. Paul takes this divine imitation and makes it a rule for us to follow in all of our daily affairs. And in chapter 5 and in 6, he's going to move forward and help us to start to order our lives all in a way that's an imitation of God himself. And so, right here in verse 1, we land on this very short little verse. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children... The, therefore, it's a, it follows this command, of course, as we just said, to, to be tender-hearted and merciful. In other words, being tender-hearted and merciful and forgiving is a natural outflow of God and his character. He says to be imitators, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, as you're kind, as you're tender-hearted, you're forgiving you're imitating god continue in that imitation and work at it and become god-like in your relationships this word become is a present tense command be becoming and if you like to mark in your bible you might want to take your pencil and circle um be and draw a little arrow to the front of the sentence because it's the first word in the sentence. It's a way of emphasizing. This is a, a mindset. This is an attitude. This is something we're growing into as Christians that we never outgrow, that we're constantly having to monitor our hearts on. Grievances that we've experienced through our lives that the sting of those don't go away with time. In fact, as we meditate on them, they tend to only get worse, especially if we're meditating on them the wrong way. How often have you heard a person talk after they've nursed along long grievance for three decades? And it has an edge on it like it happened yesterday. But then you realize most of what they're feeling is self-imposed. Most of what they're feeling is this rehearsing of the grievance that they experienced so long ago. Paul is advising us, commanding us, away from you. Imitate the becoming right now put on a whole different attitude about the offenses that you suffered, about the grievances that you felt. Imitate God in this way. How many of us have offended God so grievously in our lives? Yet, God doesn't withhold himself from us when we run to him in repentance. He gives us more of himself. Think of all the times in the Old Testament saints sinned and sinned grievously and it was was God who actually ran to them and sought them and tried to make things whole. He never withheld himself. He never said, because you've, you've done this you can't talk to me anymore. No, quite the contrary. God throws the doors wide open even in the face of the biggest sins and says, come into my presence There may be some consequences, but as far as the relationship is concerned, we're whole, we're one. God is encouraging us to put on this same sort of growth. This word imitators, the imitators. I remember I was, this was about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, I went to a high school basketball game. And there was about, oh, I don't know, about 200 students in the student section cheering for their team. And before the game, you could tell they decided to come up with a fun game, or at least what they thought would be a fun game. Whatever the opposing coach did, they did. And for a solid 30 minutes, every movement, every word, every action, the coach did, all 200 of these students would imitate and it so got on the opposing coach's nerves he started yelling at the student section and so they of course yelled right back at him because they were yelling he was yelling at them so they would yell right back at him and it became quite comical until the principal went over and told them to stop and i got to say they stuck to their guns for quite a while before they finally stopped that's a that's a foolish unnerving silly way of imitation in the Bible, we're told to imitate quite a few things. And in the New Testament, it's only positive. Imitation was a sincere form of learning, of following a teacher. We're told, in fact, to imitate several different things. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, we're told to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, we're told to imitate Christ himself. In 1 Thessalonians 2.14, we're told to imitate other churches that we find in the Bible, these Judean churches. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, we're told to imitate saints of old. God gives us patterns that we're to follow. It's the Greek word mimetes. We get the word mimic from it. God gives us a pattern. And what Paul is advising here in Ephesians, no, he's not advising, he's commanding. And it's we're to get into this book and observe the merciful and forgiving and tender-hearted ways of God. And we're constantly to be adding that to our character, checking ourselves when that's run away, and imitating God especially in these amazing ways. And then we're told to imitate, to become imitators. We're put on as beloved, as below. All of my kids, at some point or another, have come clomping up to me wearing my shoes. They want to walk in Dad's shoes. All of them. I don't teach them to do that. I don't say, hey, kids, it would be really cute if you put my shoes on and walk around them. It is cute. But they just do it. Because it's Dad and those are his shoes what beloved children do. Well, this word, beloved, of course, means what it sounds like. It means beloved. It means to love somebody in a particular way. But Paul is using this word in an extra way. In the Old Testament, this is the word that was used for one and only. Do You remember back in Genesis, when God told Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. That was the word that was used in the Greek translation. Beloved, you're unique. You're one of a kind. The word, of course, emphasizes love, but there's something more to it. It's an emphasis on the specialness of the relationship. A person of preser- a person of unique privilege. We would call this person, say, a prince. What Paul is saying is he's an adopted. Born again, child of God, He views you as one of a kind. You are unique and privileged and special. You're the one and only. You're the one and only you. And God has redeemed you. You're special. And privileged. And so imitate God whom you have this special relationship with. Imitate God who has uniquely blessed you and preserved you and kept you and saved you. And as you've observed all the ways of God and how they've been good and loving and kind and precious to you, put those on in your own character. Paul is going to apply this idea of imitation in the next verse. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children who have this special relationship with God and as a form of that imitation, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love. Now, all through the Bible, we get these little hints of walking. But I want to tell you, Walking, walking with Christ, walking in love, walking in God. The Christian walk is a special emphasis in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians leads the pack on how to walk with God. And here, we're told that we once, chapter 2, verse 2, walked in darkness. But now, as products of Christ's workmanship, we walk, chapter 2, verse 10. We're to walk worthily, chapter 4, verse 1. Not like the Gentiles in chapter 4, verse 17. But as Christ walked, here in chapter 5, verse 2, we're not to walk in darkness, chapter 5, verse 8, but we're to walk wisely, chapter 5, verse 15. Paul is very concerned with how we put one foot in front of the other. He's very concerned with how we live out our lives before God. He's very concerned with this Christian walk. And here in Ephesians, he expresses it in so many different ways. I've used this illustration before. But every army in the world teaches its soldiers how to march. Every army in the world teaches its soldiers how to march. Did you know, though, that in modern warfare, marching is entirely useless? When's the next time some of our soldiers are going to just march out in front of a machine gun that can shoot a thousand rounds a second or whatever they can shoot these days? That's probably not too far off. It's a little bit. You march right in front of that. It's a distance. You march out in a line. A drone can find you and drop a missile right on your head, and there goes your marching. So why do we march? Why do we pay our good tax dollars to teach our drills to have our drill sergeants teach these recruits how to march, when marching is totally useless in the act of fighting a war? Well, because marching is teaching something else. It's not being useful on a military battlefield sense. It's teaching them how to come together as a team, how to follow orders, how to posture yourself in the chain of command. And all of these are essential in fighting wars. Christ marching. Christ is walking. It's our job to put our feet in step and in time and in place exactly the way he does. So what is what does Christ's cadence sound like? What does it look like? If we were to fall in line behind Christ and step our feet exactly to his such that everybody would marvel that we're stepping exactly in time with Christ in the way that we walk and march and follow him. What would that look like? Christ's cadence, Paul says right here, is first and foremost, sacrificial. Notice the five words, the five different words of sacrifice. He loved, he gave, he offered, he sacrificed. He was a fragrant sacrifice. It says that Christ was devoted. Christ gave himself, Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us to God. This is something we need to always remember. Christ did not come chiefly to serve us. He came at God's will. He came to serve God. He came to satisfy the wrath of God. He says that my meat was to do the will of the Father. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the Father's mouth. Jesus' whole life was consumed with doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was wholly devoted. He was wholly given over to serving God. And the very people that he was there to help by serving God rejected him. They're the ones that killed him, thereby allowing him to perform God's will. Christ's dedication and devotion to God's purposes in his life was second to none. He was utterly, completely devoted. And that brings us to that word that we referenced second ago: fragrant. Now, you want to circle... Fragrant offering. Fragrant. Eighty-two times in the Old Testament we're told that an offering had a fragrant aroma to God. Eighty-two times. Once in Genesis. A couple times in Exodus. And a whole bunch of them in Leviticus. Leviticus. And they're all understood this way. The worshiper would bring a lamb. And he would kill it in front of the priest. And the priest would take the entire lamb, leaving the worshiper empty-handed, would put the offering on the altar and burn it and it would rise as a fragrant aroma to God. The worshiper would bring bread that he'd baked, would hand it to the priest, and the priest would put it on the altar, burn it, leaving the worshiper empty handed. And it would rise as a sweet-smelling sacrifice fragrant aroma, the worshiper would bring a bundle of grain, pour over it olive oil and salt and frankincense, and hand it to the priest, leaving the worshiper empty-handed. The priest would put the bundle on the altar and burn it entirely. And it would rise as a fragrant aroma to God. In all of these cases, all 82 of them, the worshiper gives it all. The worshiper doesn't say, oh, that lamb, do, do you think I could have backstrap off of it before you that Oh, that, that, that bull. Man, I, I love, love me some tri-tip. And I do love me some tri-tip. Could you just cut that off and give it to me before you burn it on the altar? The worshiper doesn't reach in and pluck off a head of grain he keep it for himself. No, no. In every case, the worshiper gives it all and takes a step back. And that act makes it a fragrant aroma. And so when Christ devotedly gave himself entirely to the will and purposes of God. He gave himself, body and soul, over to God, not holding anything back. And his life was poured out for you and for me. He gave himself over to God on our behalf. We deserve, we deserve that death. We deserve the one to be, we were the ones that should have been burned up We're the ones that should have been slain. Christ took that punishment for us and gave all of Himself to satisfy the eternal wrath of God. And His sacrifice alone to God rose as a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord. It was complete, it was entire, and it was devoted entirely Paul says that this is the walk. This is the walk of Christ that Christians are commanded to what, what does the cadence of Christ sound like? What do his footsteps look like? Wholehearted devotion to God for the benefit of others. Holding nothing back. Let me say that again. What does Christ walk with like? Wholehearted devotion to God for the benefit of others while holding nothing back. That's what Christ gave us. That's what we're to imitate. That's what we're to put on. And Paul's going to make some very specific applications to that in the coming verses. But let's make three of our own here in 5, 1, and 2. First of all, the Christian journey is defined by powerful words of loving devotion. Sincerity, unique, full, loving, giving. As we've done ourselves and the world a disservice by letting the world define us with different terms. How would the world define us? How would the world define us? I remember a few years ago, was down in Weaver State. Now, where was I? I don't remember where I was. I don't remember where I was. But we had an opportunity, and we led this woman to the Lord. She made a profession of faith. And do you know what her first question was? After she was led to the Lord, she said, "Do I now have to start voting for the Republicans?" i remember I remember I was like I, cu- I couldn't even formulate words at this at that moment. I was like, we're on a totally different plane right now." <laughs> no." We've let the world put words on us that are not gospel. The world is always going to do that. The world's always going to lie about us. That's not the issue. But the way we articulate our faith matters. And the words we must use when articulating the way that we follow the Lord if we're going to follow the cadence of Christ the sincerity and uniqueness. Christ is my one and only. He's my Savior. He's my King. I serve no other. I serve Him wholly. I serve Him lovingly. He gives to me. He loves and We paint a picture that Chris, the Christian religion isn't about my devotion to Christ. Yes, it is, but first and foremost, it's about Christ's love of me in an entire, in an entire and devoted and kind and merciful way. Number two, this sort of. Devotion that's described by the Christian journey is entire. Christ is demanding entire devotion. Remember back at our first little illustration? Well I think it was the second little illustration. Of the young man who had a girlfriend. And she wanted to go to lunch on Thursdays, the guy from Why don't you, Mom, sort through your feelings of why you would not like that? I know that you wouldn't like it, but why wouldn't you like it? You would say something like, No. If you're going to be married to my son, you need to be wholly dedicated to me. A wife is singular in her devotion and love. And if you can't be singular, then you, can't, you shouldn't marry anybody. Most definitely not. Now you might have some firmer words for the young lady if you were to talk to her in that situation. But that would be the gist, correct? Jesus isn't very much into divided loyalties. He says, you can't serve me in money can't. I won't have it. Anybody who would come after me needs to take up his trust with and follow me. Those who would seek to keep their lives will lose it. But those who seek to lose their lives for my sake will find it. Jesus is not a king into half measures. He wants all of you. He demands it. Full devotion. And if you were to balk at that, if you were to say, Jesus, I'm not sure I want to give you everything. I don't know that that's fair for you to ask of me. He would say, look at my life. Look at the cross. What did I withhold from you? If he even answered the question. Number three. The result is a life given entirely to God. He recognizes and savors such commitment. When you give your life this way over to God, it rises as a fragrant offering the Lord. We don't serve a God who lets that go unnoticed. Jesus said that everything that you've given or sacrificed for, his kingdom will be rewarded a hundred times over. God loves to reward those who diligently seek. God recognizes and acknowledges and savors our devotion and dedication. To him. I'm probably, I'm probably as guilty of this as, as anybody. But have you ever had a, a person in your life who sort of overlooks all the good that you do and only sees the flaws, and, and and you just feel very underappreciated all the time? I probably am an underappreciated. I want you to know that God is wholly different than you. He sees, he knows, he acknowledges, he empowers, and he wants you to serve him with all of you. He will reward that. We have a great king who is loyal to his loyal servants. let Father, may we put on the imitation of God. May we seek to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving and loving one another. May we imitate you and all the attributes that are ours to imitate. May we look to Christ and how he walks and follow in his footsteps by giving ourselves wholly to you for the benefit of others. or may we not find our satisfaction in the approval of others. But may we find our satisfaction in following you. And Lord, may we give ourselves entirely to you, not holding anything back. May our devotion For your love for us is keeping pray these.